On this episode of the Macworld Podcast, we have quick tips for your Mac. We've got three tips that you can use to make your life easier on Mac OS. So stay with us for the details. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola with Jason Cross. Hello. And Michael Simon. Hello, sir. Before we jump into the Mac tips for this show, uh, there was an announcement right before we started recording that WWDC 22 is happening. The Apple announced the dates today. Uh, it's happening on June 6th. I think we all kind of was thinking that's when it would happen. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you when WWDC 2026 is going to be at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I went back and looked when I was writing the article, and it's been in June, not necessarily always like the second week of June, but in June since like 2003, I think. Uh, and it was in May before that. With one exception, one year in 2006 or something, it was in August. Steve Jobs' health was bad at that time, and there was a lot of speculation surrounding that and all that stuff. You know, it's been more than 15 years since it hasn't been in July. <laughs> and it's usually like the second week. Uh, June, you mean not July. June, I mean. Sorry. I th- I, maybe one surprising bit about the announcement, I think some of us, I thought, that they would go back to an in-person conference. Yeah, me too. We, we weren't sure. I mean, it's what's what's tricky is they're kind. Of, we're kind of right on that cusp. So if mm-hmm. Apple announces, okay, we're doing this, and then something, some surge happens between now and then, they're stuck. Yeah. yeah. And so, it's kind of an international thing. People come from yeah, other right, countries and place, stuff, so. and they're in different places with this. So. It kind of makes makes sense. It's great for developers that it's free. I mean, that thing, this thing costs like three grand, and a lot of times you couldn't even get in. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's great for that. Uh, they're they are having a limited um, thing for students and developers to go to Apple Park and watch the keynote and the state of address like there together with the online community. So I think it's like they're going to tour Apple Park and then go into the Steve Jobs Theater and then just watch the video in the Steve Jobs Theater that live with everybody else. They're not seating's limited for that thing. Details to come, they said on that, but that'll be, you know, you'll have to apply for that. And I'm sure they'll vet those people because it's going to be one theater full of people. Apple Park, Steve Jobs Theater only holds a few hundred people. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's going to be something like that. I, I, d- I doubt they're going to have a big outdoor thing with thousands of seats or something. Because um, <clears throat> if you're going to do that, just just hold the whole WWDC thing there. <laughs> it is a week long event. Uh, the The big keynote and the state of the the state of the platform stuff is like the first day, and then and that's the stuff we're interested in while the big announcements happen, and then everything else is. Yep developer sessions and stuff and they're they're holding the swift student challenge again yes the uh the logo this year is very much like okay (laughs) it's the swift logo right right. yeah that's all it is you know it looks cool i guess but uh there's nothing to really glean from it you know we'll 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 try (laughs) we we gotta fill up our site with something there's gonna be (laughs) yes swift three and swift ui two and Swift, all the, I don't know. 
But yeah, last year they had all of those little kind of me emoji characters like looking at, at laptops and we were looking to see what was on the screen and the cut like there's nothing. It's just it's it's the Swift logo. And we didn't get anything last year. We got just the new OS updates and stuff. Not to discount that. That's a big deal. That's the, yeah, yeah. all that stuff impacts a billion people. It's a big deal, but <laughs> it's just not what people are people want a new Mac. They want a new something. Yeah, um, new hardware gets people more excited. That the people who tune into this kind of stuff. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see this year. The Mac Pro is still kind of floating around. Apple Silicon, maybe M2. I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Rumors are kind of sketchy about when that stuff's going to arrive. So we have some Mac tips for this particular podcast. We got some quick tips that will hopefully make. I just want to point out, Roman, I set you up for a pretty good transition there. You just blew blew right past me. Well, all right, some behind the scenes (laughs) stuff. My script for the podcast is not showing up, so I'm sitting here refreshing. (laughs) As you guys are talking, thinking, oh, my God, hurt, please, please, please come up before I have to say something. So, <laughs> so yeah, so that's why I totally missed that cue. <laughs> I see. Anyway, so uh, so my tip is available in macOS Monterey. I recently went on a vacation, and it was a very big vacation, and we ended up taking somewhere of, like, 1,500 photos. Wow. 100, 1,500, not fifteen. Not 15, 1,500 between me and my family members. I ended up taking like 1,200 of those photos. I believe that. If you're gone for a week and it's a vacation and everyone takes 10 pictures a day, it, you that's a real – it's easy to quickly like load up to – yeah. So as I was compiling these pictures, some of them were in uh, HEIC format, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. Apple's – what does it stand for again? High efficiency image compression. Is that what it stands for? HEIC? Yes. Yes. So this is a new format that Apple introduced. Well, I guess it's not that new. It's it's a few years old. It compresses images, does a better job of maintaining image quality. Yeah, this is not necessarily it's not Apple's compression. You'll see it other in other places called HEIF. Right. A high efficiency image format. And stuff. Um, they just kind of made it the default. They kind of brought support for it and made it the default. Yeah. And so I was, uh, I was compiling these pictures. Some of them were in that format. Some of them were in JPEG format. And some of my family relatives were not, were not able to see the HEIC images. I had to convert those images to a different format. There's a new, <laughs> there's a new addition to a feature that was introduced in Monterey. So there's a feature called quick actions that you can do when you right click on uh, a file and you get the contextual menu that comes up at near the bottom. There's a, you're like in finder. Yeah. I'm in finder right now. And if you right click, see a selection for quick actions. And then if you select that, you actually get some uh, tasks that you can do in Monterey. They added a convert image quick action. So you don't even have to go into an application anymore to convert a file from, in my case, HEIC to JPEG. You can just go in the Finder, uh, open the folder of images, select the ones that you want to convert, right-click, select Quick Actions, and then if you're running in Monterey, you'll find a convert image uh, selection. You can select that, and then you can convert it to JPEG, and it's all done in the Finder. It's really quick and easy to do. I mean, you can just batch convert, right? So you're in Finder. You sort by type and 
and grab all your HEICs in one go and just convert a hundred things. Just make sure you don't, you don't have the little drop down set to small size. Like that you set it to actual size. <laughs> Get a bunch of thumbs. Yeah. That's one thing. You kind of, that's a good point, Jason. When, uh, like the first time I did this, select a convert image and I was kind of like, is that it? And it just so happened that there's a setting window that pops up and it was underneath another window. Uh, so you can select the format. You can select JPEG, PNG, or HEIF. And then you can select the image size. Uh, like Jason said, you don't want to select small because then you end up with uh, an image that's a little disappointing. So you want to uh, select a, an appropriate size for yourself. And then you just click the button and it converts all the images for you. And that's it. It was really quick and easy. Not a tip, but so you might not be taking photos in uh, HEIC because Apple offers an option. So if you have on your iPhone, if you have um, high efficiency selected, all the, all the photos you take will be that. If you have most compatible selected, which I'm not sure which is the default at this point, um, but if you have most compatible selected, it'll just shoot in regular JPEG and everyone everywhere will be able to see them without a problem. But yeah, I'm, it I'm, I'm not sure high efficiency. Default, it does default to that. Um, okay. As I as I recall, uh, you'll find it in settings and then camera and then formats up top, and then you'll get to change things like high efficiency, most compatible, and that's where if you have a iPhone like 13 Pro, you'll get Pro Raw options and all that other stuff that's in there too. It it cuts file sizes for it. Pretty much looks the same to be honest. It but it cuts file sizes down to about half. So if you're the kind of person who takes a lot of photos and you've got 10 gigs of photos, that could be five gigs of photos <laughs> instead. Um, the iPhone is actually very good about if you are exporting, or I should say the photos app, because it does this too on the Mac. If you have an HEIC thing and you like, you export or you, you're on your Mac, you drag a photo out onto the finder or something like that, it will almost always convert it to JPEG, like automatically. You have to go through a few hoops to find the original HEIC and keep that. But if you're just like, you were like airdropping photos or something else, or to share, it's a shared folder to another Mac or something, then, you know, they're going to keep that format, keep the quality. Mine's a terminal thing I found. It's also new in macOS Monterey, um, as far as I know. <laughs> um, but good old terminal. So if you never used the terminal before or aren't familiar with it, you can hit command space and start typing terminal to launch it, or it's in your applications folder, but it's not one of those things that's already in your dock all the time. And it's a command line and it can get gnarly. <laughs> so um, this is a simple one though. Uh, the command line uh, is network quality, all one word. Just type network quality and hit enter. Uh, and it will run a speed test on your network to Apple CDN servers. It will run an upload and download speed test, and then it will give you what they call um, upload and download flows, which is basically how many ping round trips it tried to send. And then uh, it will gauge what it calls responsiveness. It will say responsiveness, and then it will give you a high, medium, or low with a number, you know, 800 RPM. And what that is is round trips per minute. Uh, responsiveness is basically a measure of 
how many hops it takes for you to get from your computer to the server and how much, how long the latency is and stuff like that. So it's like uh, how much lag there's going to be. It's kind of like an all-in-one encompassing thing for several measurements of how much lag there's going to be. So it's round trips per minute. If you, for any reason, can't go to like a speed test site or you don't trust them because they're not going to the right servers or anything like that, this is a built-in command line tool that will do it. Uh, or, you know, it could be one of those things like, I don't know if there's something wrong with my browser. You know, you're skipping the browser here. You're doing a direct network test to Apple's content delivery network, which is how they dish out OS updates to a billion people and Apple TV shows and all this other stuff. So it's very robust and it gives you your upload and download speeds and stuff. One of the nifty things about it is that by default, it does these upload and download tests at the same time. You can do network quality space dash S to do sequential and it'll do separate upload and download. Um, that's a good way to test your absolute peak performance of your internet connection. But the, the default of doing them both at the same time is pretty useful because that's actually the way we use our computers a lot, especially if you're doing things like FaceTime and streaming video and things like that. Like people are uploading and downloading at the same time, especially if you're, your home internet connection is being shared by a lot of people. So it's a good way to kind of suss out if there's a problem with any of that happening. And you can't get into much trouble with this. You can get into trouble with some terminal commands. <laughs> this one is, yeah, this one is, it's, it. it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't change anything about your system. It's just a network test. So yeah, network quality. Um, how does that compare like, and you might not know the answer to this, but like that, um, what's the one? Close uh, thing uh, where you go to speedtest.net. Yeah, yeah. My numbers ended up being very similar. But they're hitting different servers. Like okay. the speed test thing will right. look at your location and try to find a close local server and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that can get messed up if you have a VPN and yada, yada. Right. The command line one, it's skip and, and it goes through your browser. Uh, the command line one is skipping the browser. It's just using the direct network layer of your OS and it's hitting Apple's CD content delivery yep. network, which is a robust global network for delivering OS updates and everything else. Um, the main difference is that thing where it measures how many flows and the responsiveness. That's different from mm -hmm. ping. Ping is like milliseconds to this server. This responsiveness is like, well, yeah, you went through right. 12 different hops to get there and to go there and back and there and back and there and back. How many times a minute can you do that? That's kind of different than ping. Yeah, I've been running running it a couple times as you were talking and kind of embarrassed of my uh, speed. <laughs> my connection's pathetic. I mean, if other people in your home are doing stuff yeah. on your internet, it can mess it up, but that's what you want to learn. Right. That's what you're trying right. to figure out. Yeah. You know? And you can, you can sometimes find big differences between running just network quality and network quality dash S. If that's, that can be the eye-opening thing is that if it's uploading, downloading simultaneously is dog slow and you're doing them sequentially is way, way faster, like 10 times faster, then it's like mm, something's up with my router, my you know, cable modem, something like that. You know, It's time to start looking at your network equipment. If you type man mm -hmm. space network quality, yeah, you'll get like a help file. 
And it, there's a couple of other little things that you can do. Yeah, man is a little the bit more information. Unix command for manual. We're not responsible for use, destroying a computer by using the terminal code, but you shouldn't. You should, as Jason said, this one's this one's pretty friendly. <laughs> there was a thing I think it was last year when, so the M1 chips were allegedly de- de- degrading SSDs quickly. So you know when that news broke, <laughs> I think Roman also had the same issues. Like I'm like, oh, I'll just go do this myself, and I just completely borked my computer and had to reinstall OS. Then, like you can you can really mess things up with like the wrong keystroke, especially with like with like a pseudo command or something. Like things can go wrong very quickly with the terminal, so so be careful. But this one is is literally just a, a friendly. Like if it doesn't work, it'll just say it doesn't work. It's not right. going to do and anything. It's just measuring internet. It's not changing any major things. By the way, you mentioned typing man network quality. Note that when you type man, everything's case sensitive and the Q in quality has to be capitalized or it's not going to find the manual page. Unix is so finicky that way. Right, I'm up. Yeah, my, <laughs> mine's not new. Mine's probably been around since like Mac OS 6, <laughs> but I didn't know about it until like literally last week. So like there's been a, a somewhat of a cottage industry on Twitter and, and TikTok of people sharing, you know, these little tips and then they, they go viral. And I usually kind of ignore them because, you know, they're things we know or they're like, so last week there was one for the iPhone that was like, like magically copy and pasting between, between things by just like swiping. And it was, just, it was universal copy and paste, which we, you know, we, we know how to use, but they're, they're, so I usually ignore these things. This one, I noticed, and I had no idea that this existed. So, when you're saving something on in any application, like what I'll, I'll I'll use Word, Microsoft Word, for example, when you're saving something, the little save dialog box comes up, and you know you can click around and find the folder. And if if you're if you moved out of where you usually save stuff, it can be real annoying to find stuff. You got to go into your your you know the, the the main user, go a bunch of folders deep find where you want it and then save it. So it can take you know, 10 seconds, 15 seconds. If you press, if you type slash on that box, just, just the slash key, you'll be able to bring up the go to folder command and you can type whatever you want. So you can type the, uh, you know, the uh, NEA symbol, bring up your user. It remembers where you were. So if you do slash users, you can fill it up by, uh, by just tapping it. It'll fill that in uh, user slash documents to, to get to jump right to there. If you know the exact place where you're going, you can just search your thing. It has like in the last like five days, it saved me probably like 20 minutes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fantastic. And like I said, it, it's not new. I, I, I'm, I've tested it on Monterey. I've tested it on, on Big Sur. I'm sure it works on. Catalina and Jaguar and and Cheetah and Puma and everything from before that, but I had no idea that these simple little that this simple little command existed and you know it's it kind of make, puts a puts a point on on the difference between the Mac and everything else that Apple makes is that like these little things exist like Jason's terminal shortcut like on the iPhone you know there are features that are built in but on the Mac there's all these little hidden things that you just don't really know are there and Apple doesn't advertise. And in 10 years, you might stumble upon one that, you know, makes your life so much easier. You know, I'm sure there are people who read the article last week was like, like, idiot, this has been around since like 92. But, you know, I just found it (laughs) or I didn't find it. I just noticed. I don't expect Apple or anybody to start dishing out on terminal stuff like that's 
meant for nitty gritty, but this isn't really, this isn't like a terminal thing. This is like a save dialogue. You see it hundreds of times and you can get where you're going the long way, but sometimes just typing slash is just a quick way to go like back me all the way out <laughs> to where I need to be. It's funny watching people like, um, who, who have been using Max for a jillion years and they fly around the system, basically never touching the mouse practically. Jason Snell's one of those people. Like you can, I used to go into his office and first of all, he typed like 180 words a minute or something, but he's one of those people who just knows every keyboard shortcut and has made a billion automators and macros and stuff like that. So he just does stuff with his hands on the keyboard so fast. Sometimes you can't follow it. I've always been impressed by that. That's never been the way that I work, even though I've been using computers since I was like middle school. <laughs> it's just not, I'm happy with my mouse or touchpad. It's, it's like watching like a, like a trained pianist, like perform a concerto, you know, when you see someone who's, who's that good at using the keyboard. Right? I just can't imagine that I could do that. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, that does it for this episode of the Macworld Podcast, episode 787. Thanks to Jason Cross. Thank you. Thanks to Michael Simon. Thank you, sir. Thanks to you, the audience. Thank you for tuning in. You can subscribe to the Macworld Podcast and the podcast app on Spotify, on Amazon Music, or through any other podcast app. If you have any comments or questions, send us an email at podcast at macworld.com or contact us through Twitter, that's at Macworld, or on the Macworld Facebook page. Join us in the next episode of the Macworld Podcast as we talk about the lace in the world of Apple. See you next time. All right, here we go. In three, two, one. On this episode of the Macworld Podcast, we have quick tips for your Mac. We are doing Mac tips, right? Uh, <laughs> mine's a Mac tip. Mine's check. a Mac tip, too. You okay. okay, mine yeah. is, too. So, all right. Let's do that again. <laughs> I should, I, I, Let's leave this in. Yeah, I'll just leave it in. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs>